Hello, Adam Boxer, and <laughs> welcome to the Evidence-Based Education podcast. Although I know you've collaborated with my colleagues before, Stuart, and there's videos of you on the courses that are great, so we're a big fan. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Right back at you, Kate. Right back at you. Oh, great. Well, I've got a little introduction written down, but if I miss anything out, please do let me know. So you are an experienced science teacher, still very much in the classroom, um, a former head of science. You're the co-founder of Carousel Learning. You deliver lots of CPD to schools across the UK, around the world. You're a blogger, author of various books, including Teaching Secondary Science, A Complete Guide, which I've read, even though I'm not a science teacher, <laughs> but it's brilliant. And um, you're also the editor of the Research Ed Guide to Direct Instruction, and you're on Twitter at AdamBoxer1. So is that okay? Uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right. I got, um, there's some badges that I got in Scouts when I was 12 that you haven't mentioned. I think you've got it covered. <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, very, very, all very important. But the the thing that I think is great that we can really tap into is that you're in the classroom, you're doing this stuff all the time. And I really want to talk to you today about retrieval practice, because you're a big advocate of that, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Right. Well, we know that there's a lot of research. You've shared this, discussed it. We have it on our courses that says that retrieval practice benefits students inside, outside of the classroom. So the evidence is quite rigorous. So now we're seeing evidence um, coming from classroom conditions with Pooja Agarwal and other meta-analysis. But I want to know is that you've been an advocate for retrieval practice for a while now, using it in your classroom. So have you seen the benefits and what benefits have you seen as a classroom teacher regularly using retrieval practice? Um, That's a good question. Um, And it's... Uh, there's always a health warning that comes with answers like this because um, let's say I said to you, you know, five years ago I wasn't doing retrieval practice. Now I am doing retrieval practice and my students know more now than they did then. So health warning number one is I've got no way to quantify whether or not they actually do know more now than they did then. Um, you know, I just, those numbers don't exist. Um, so that's health warning number one. Uh, well, I guess it's not health warning, it's caution. Um, caution number two, of course, would be uh, something called the recency effect, which is like where you're sort of more predisposed to think that things are either improving more recently or getting worse more recently. My favourite example always is whenever you ask, um, whenever I ask a teacher um, how they're finding behaviour and stuff at the moment, they always go to me, well, this is always the hardest term. And, and it's regardless of whenever I, in, when when in the year I ask them, right? I can ask them in September and I say, well, you know, the first term is always the hardest term. If I ask them in, you know, March, it's, well, you know, the second term is always the hardest term, that kind of stuff. Whereas when you look at like teacher tap data, where they actually ask people, um, you know, how many times today has your lesson been disturbed? The patterns are not the same as if you ask people, is behavior getting better or worse? People overall say, normally say behavior is getting worse. But then when you look at the data, it's probable that that's not the case. So yeah, stuff that happens recently is always going to be problematic. Um, uh, Another one is that if you're invested into something, you've got an idea that you're trying and that you're, you've kind of, nailed your colors to the mast and this is the flag that i wave uh, again you're more likely to look for positive outcomes and of course the master of um 
tackling that kind of thinking is is uh, is Rob Coe. Um, in uh, you know, there's that beautiful table in his 2013 paper, um, "A Triumph of Hope Over uh, Over Experience," where he points to all of the things you can do if you want to fake school improvement. And like one of them is to ask people who are involved in an intervention how they think it's going, right? Because nobody likes to say, no, 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 it's not working, it's failing, it's rubbish. Um, the And the other thing, which is probably the most important of the health warnings, is that five years ago, I was a very different teacher in all respects. Um, so even if I didn't do any retrieval practice then, I do do retrieval practice now, my student outcomes now are better than they were then like what kind of a mad person would I be to put that down to retrieval practice I'm also using mini whiteboards more I'm also using cold call more I teach in an entirely different school uh, we use different curricular resources and materials um, our school day has changed the length of the lessons has changed the way we set students has changed um, the way I explain stuff has changed the way I check for understanding it you, you get the point right so so it's not it's not straightforward to to make that kind of a claim and, it, and it's one that I'd be I'd be extremely reluctant to make um you know my 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 feeling my inclination is that students know more i get less exasperated with students over time um so you know i'm te- my year sevens at the moment their knowledge of specialized cells which we did two months ago is still pretty strong um do i know that that's because of retrieval practice no um does it stand to reason that at least a part of it is due to retrieval practice yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i'm sorry if there was a that that was kind of a long and complicated answer but but i I think it's you know i know kate we've spoken about this in the past i think it's really important to not make like these absolute claims and we never make absolute claims like that at carousel um but but like that you know what that that just goes it's, it's even a part of it because carousel isn't just a retrieval practice platform right so carousel also informs teacher activity in the class because it gives you feedback it tells you which students the questions which questions the students have been doing badly on it picks up misconceptions that kind of stuff and i'm like how do i know then when i respond when i do, do all that stuff you know i'm, I'm a, my baseline assumption is that all of it makes a difference but how do I know which bit makes the most difference? Well, I don't. So, so it's not a causative claim that, that I'd be willing to make. Well, that's a really a nuanced answer because I do think in the past I would have said, "Yep, yeah, yeah, it's definitely you know it's working. I feel great." And um, but as you said, that there are all of those other factors that you're and things that you're doing now that you didn't do previously, and also one of the things with me I think a lot more carefully about the questions I asked which I didn't do in the beginning I was just asking lots and lots of questions Um, and we'll get to carousel but actually because you said it's not just retrieval I mean obviously then you could use your quizzes in when you're teaching the brand new content as a way of checking for understanding so they're they're not it's not retrieval from long-term memory but here's a quiz based on what we've just done to check that they've grasped it and then use that same quiz later to see if they can remember it from long-term memory. So is yeah. that is that yeah, any any question can be used for multiple purposes, right? So when you question someone in the classroom, it could be just to build engagement, make sure everyone's paying attention. It could be to kind of um if you're exploring ideas that you might not know whether or not students have. 
Uh, it might be to assess their understanding in the moment. It might be to assess their knowledge as it builds over time. Um, and it might be to do retrieval practice. Uh, and, and what, you know, Carousel is at heart a bank of questions uh, and then gives you teacher power to use those questions however you like um, and absolutely you could use them as checking for understanding or some kind of uh, assessment low stakes medium stakes I wouldn't we don't necessarily we don't normally recommend using them for high stakes assessment but but low and medium stakes absolutely absolutely yeah well, well I'll come back to carousel I've got loads of questions about it it's brilliant um, but we've recently just published uh, an ebook at evidence-based education and I authored this retrieval practice myths mutations and mistakes and I know that you're seeing these types of things as well uh, and I quoted you in that ebook um, from your teaching secondary science book because what you're very good at and I think this is something that I've probably not focused on enough in some of my retrieval books is really encouraging teachers to go beyond the do now because lots of teachers I work with in schools they've embedded retrieval practice at the start of a lesson with a quiz that's a sort of do now activity but that might be the only time that they use retrieval practice um, and it's coming from a really good place and it's a great way to embed retrieval practice and school leaders are trying to promote consistency but what you often write about and give great advice about is we should be doing more than that, that we should be using retrieval practice as a do now, but at other opportunities. So so when could teachers be using retrieval practice other than at the start of a lesson? Yeah, so um, yeah, it's, it, it's a good question. There's an interesting like language point here, of course, which is it's one that I to 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 move sideways for a second before coming back to the main point. You know, if we took like dual coding for example right so dual coding is a theory that states that information is processed differently and potentially advantageously when it's presented in two different ways so for example um verbally through words someone speaking to you and visually through a picture right now then teachers say oh you know i'm using words and i'm doing a picture i'm doing dual coding and obviously to be pedantic that's not correct. Teachers are not doing dual coding. Dual coding is about the brain processing information, right? So it's the students who are doing dual coding. A teacher might use words and pictures, and they might be trying to harness or take advantage of dual coding. But fundamentally, it's something that the student is doing in their head, right? Retrieval practice is not, I mean, it's something that any human can do. But if I put a quiz on the board, I'm not doing retrieval practice. Of course, the students are your yeah. Yeah, because retrieval practice is is the process of retrieving information from your long-term memory, right? So it's about going hunting within your own heads to try and retrieve, to fetch, uh, to find um, that, that piece of information, whatever it is. So I tend to talk, you know, obviously people ask me to talk about retrieval practice, so I talk about retrieval practice. But when it comes to into the classroom, I talk about retrieval opportunities because I think that kind of puts the onus a bit more onto uh, an actual well, I think it does two things. The first thing is it, it it sort of shifts the focus a bit more onto the teacher. Like what opportunities are you taking to give the students retrieval practice? But it's also thinking about, um, and an opportunity has like a really tangible, like, like a thing to do rather than retrieval practice, which is this invisible process happening inside a student's head. Um, 
And it's also important to use that word opportunity as opposed to just circumstance or scenario, because it is an opportunity, right? If you, if you, um, you know, if, if I'm about to teach about photosynthesis and I remind my students what we did last week, and I say, oh, last week we learned about glucose, we learned about carbon dioxide, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've robbed them of an opportunity to do retrieval practice because I could have asked them. Yeah, I could have said, you know, um, what did we learn about carbon dioxide last week? Well, what is the word equation for photosynthesis? What are the products of photosynthesis? What are the reactants of photosynthesis? In what way is photosynthesis similar to respiration? In what ways is it different, right? Now, I could just verbally summarize and recap and remind them, and it would be a lot quicker, um, but I'd be robbing them of the opportunity to do retrieval practice, um, which, like you said, at, at the outset, is going to boost their long-term memory, is evidence-based, et cetera, et cetera. So that teacher in that case has, has missed an opportunity. And I think that's more useful language than just talking about retrieval practice in the abstract. Um, and that, that's the kind of that's the kind of language I try to use where I can. Um, but obviously, right. I think at times. You're right. Because just saying that phrase, oh, I'm doing retrieval practice in a lesson. Well, is every student doing that? Because you might be delivering and providing the opportunity. But like you said, it's the students who have to go through the act of retrieval and that's why you're a big fan of mini whiteboards because it involves everyone yeah whereas if you just ask select few students and then you may think well i've done retrieval practice but then actually like you said well not if everyone hasn't then you've robbed them of that opportunity yeah, so exactly. that's really yeah. that's really interesting. I'll have to be careful <laughs> how well, I think. I think I think I think in this right. you know it, this one doesn't annoy me as much as dual coding because it, dual, dual coding I just I'm always so facetious around because I see so much nonsense. Whereas retrieval practice I see less nonsense, so I'm less like I'm less like uh, I don't know if pedantic is the right word. It, it's like it's like you know that have you seen that meme of the actually guy? It's oh, like right, it's yeah. the cartoon sketch of this guy at his laptop going well actually and it's like i don't on the one hand like like i don't want to be that guy um i'm deliberately that guy when it comes to dual coding because it annoys me so much but um i don't i don't want to be that guy as my persona so i try and refrain from like preaching when it comes to retrieval practice in that regard but like it's something that i try to do myself i think Uh, that's a good takeaway provide retrieval opportunities and see it as that way and as an opportunity for every student and like you said the reminder oh the show in the video that's robbing them of an opportunity so yeah that's, yeah. That's, that's yeah exactly exactly or you or if you ask them to read their notes right uh or even if um you know sometimes i see a lot is, is people put people put a do now up on the board some questions and, and kids are looking through their notes to find the answers and i'm like is is that retrieval? I'm, I'm not sure if that's retrieval right because retrieval means retrieving from your long-term memory rather than an outsourced long-term memory like an exercise book so anyway the the idea is that you've got all these different opportunities one of them is your do now one of them is your lesson start and and i want to be really clear i'm a huge advocate of starting your lesson like this um but but you're right it's absolutely insufficient uh in terms of like sheer quantity and and just like to put some maths to it so in my chemistry carousel question bank right i have um so this covers year 10 year 10 and year 11 chemistry baseline stuff right so you know there's the the bulk of the the stuff that's in there is going to get them to a decent grade right it's it's the basics the fundamentals um you know there's a whole bunch of stuff obviously that bank doesn't and can't test right but it's got questions like give two properties of a giant ionic substance that kind of stuff um there's 550 questions there covering year 10 and year 11. um now let's say i only wanted to ask each 
one of those questions twice across the course. Now, you and I both know, Kate, that twice is a joke, right? That's that's like the the smallest, you know, if I if I only ask my kids a question about giant oak lettuce twice across year 10, 11, they're not going to know it come exam. But but let's say that's that was my target. So 550 questions, uh, if we double that, so um, so twice would make it up to 1,100 questions, right? If I did five questions in my do now, I'd need 220 lessons. 220 times five is 1,100, so I'd need 220 lessons. Uh, I have 205-ish, right? So even if, so even if I only wanted to ask each question twice, and even if I started every lesson like clockwork with a five question do now, and even if I managed to do that in every lesson, I didn't miss a lesson because of exams or because of you know marks or I was ill or whatever, or I was doing a practical or that kind of stuff, I'd still not have enough lessons, <laughs> right? And that's the most conservative possible. So so teachers really need to take every opportunity they can to to give students retrieval. And and you know, one of those examples is the do now. It serves multiple purposes. It's you know, gets them in, gets them settled, gives them retrieval practice, can occasionally lay the grounds for your learning today. Um, and it gives you assessment information about their knowledge over time. But um it can't do everything, right? And you have to take other opportunities in the lesson. So anytime you ask a question, of course, is retrieval practice. Uh, and I, I advocate lots of questions and regular checks for understanding. Um, you can build practice sets. So when students are doing independent practice on giant ionic lettuce, you should also be including questions about atomic structure and isotopes and whatever. Um, not in a way that jars, uh, in a way that, that flows and feels natural. Don't just chuck random stuff in one after the other, because what ends up happening is kids just put their hand up and they go, sorry, I think there's a mistake here. I'm like, no, 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 no. I deliberately made your question set extremely confusing. Don't do that, <laughs> right? The, the questions should like flow and it should feel natural. Um, but really, you know, I mean, I don't want to keep banging the drum, but the the only choice you actually have in today's day and age, in given the size of our current GCSE courses um, and the size of our national curriculum. And, and also, by the way, I, I've, I, the examples I've given are all very secondary focused at the moment, but this is absolutely 100% true in primary as well. The primary national curriculum, Key Stage 1, Key Stage 2, are absolutely stuffed full of, of things that students need to learn. Um, and the only way to do that is is by offloading some of it to, to home um, and getting into really strong habits and routines with students doing that quizzing at home. You know, if I set my my year sevens, they'll do a quiz each week that has maybe 20 to 25 questions at home. If they just do the quiz once, that's five times the number of questions that I would ever be able to ask in an individual lesson. If they do the quiz twice, and many of them do, that's 50 questions, which is 10 times the amount I'd be able to get across in one lesson. And given that they use the flashcards first, which they do, um, they're getting even more than that. So we could be clocking, you know, 20, 30 times as much practice as students would ever be able to get uh, within a particular lesson. Um, and for me, that's the only way it's possible. Yeah, and you're talking about carousel as homework now as well. Oh, yeah, the definitely. And the, the questioning. No, that's the bit when I said, I on reflection, I wish I'd have written about this in my book. My first retrieval book, the pink one, I didn't write enough about feedback. And that was a reflection probably because I was rushing the feedback. And I know 
you've mentioned that before. Don't just go, right, here's the answers, let's move on, but actually try and engage with that feedback. And then I didn't write actually about how we could use homework meaningfully. Um, and, and there's still no, some I mean, you, a bit skeptical. I, I, I think I don't I don't I don't think you should beat yourself up over it. There was there was nobody was doing it, right? Yeah. It was, nobody was thinking about the pedagogy of homework at the time. You know, there were online platforms and there still are, and, and some of them are very good, right? But they weren't, they were about getting the kids to do retrieval practice. They weren't pedagogical tools, yeah. right? Carousel is not a quizzing platform. It's an integrated teaching tool. Part of it is quizzing, but part of it is feedback. Part of it is assessment. Part of it is is in-class um culture building right so that that thing and and you know i wasn't thinking like that three or four years ago and we've been working really hard to focus on that kind of pedagogical aspect and we're very blessed by the way that that all of our teachers and our users are like incredibly generous with their time and and the feedback we get from them is about teaching and learning right is how do we make this work as a classroom tool not just as this fire and forget online homework quizzing platformy type thing yeah and, and i do really like that about carousel it's not you know some of the others are gimmicky and there were some that i've i've boycotted because <laughs> they had uh, <laughs> they probably don't like me for that but i won't name them but at one point there was things that you couldn't remove like you couldn't remove the leaderboard and then it was always the same top three students at the top mm. and the same at the bottom uh, you couldn't remove question timers. And when you've got students with learning difficulties, English as additional language, they needed a little bit more time. The other it, thing. Yeah, it's, think, it's also a way of changing the stakes artificially, isn't it? Um, yeah, we spoke about that with the question yeah. timers. You said, well, should Carousel have them or not? And at the moment you don't. And I said, well, I think it's great. The other problem with the timers is that with one quizzing website, you got more points for the quicker that you answered it, yeah. but it led to so many mistakes because the students were rushing to get more points. And then they weren't reading that question carefully yeah. and developing these really bad habits. But like you said, Carousel is this, is this teaching and learning tool for outside of the classroom. So for anyone who's not familiar with Carousel, we'll give them a little bit of a breakdown about it. But I wanted to go back to the beginning and I think I've got this right, that Carousel has developed out of one of your original classroom resources, which was Retrieval Roulette. And it, yeah. that became popular. And then it, it's just, it's just well, it's blown up. It's been re really well received by teachers. It's doing really well. But is that is that how it happened? It was a Retrieval Roulette tool? Uh, yeah, yeah, broadly. Um, so the Retrieval Roulette, basically, it takes these banks of questions, so questions and answers, uh, and it allows you to choose a certain number at random for displaying in class. It's just an Excel spreadsheet, right? So you say, you know, you've got 200 questions in your question bank. I've taught up to question 120. We're doing question 121 today. You just say to it, I'd like a quiz based on the first 120 questions, and it gives you a quiz. Done. And um, for any teachers listening who are thinking, oh, I don't have technology in the classroom. My students don't have a device. You can still use Carousel, can't you? Well, so hang on. So, so that was the retrieval roulette. Oh, which, sorry, retrieval roulette. Yeah, yeah. Which which is low tech. It's basically just Excel. Um, yeah. And when I built it, I made it so it doesn't have any macros or anything. It's just, it's literally you just punch some numbers in and it's done. Um, and and it's great. Like I really like it, but I don't use it anymore because it's not 
it doesn't do everything that carousel can do which what the idea of carousel was that we'd take those questions and answers and, and make them student facing so the first thing we did is we allowed teachers to um, choose flashcard to choose questions and answers um, send those to students uh, and those will be presented to students as flashcards right question on one side answer on the other students have to flip them and then once they're done that they do a quiz uh short for, like free text response so it's not wasn't at the time multiple choice we do not have multiple choice capacity um but the idea was they're just write their answers they self-assess based on what they think they got right or wrong and the teacher can then see their self-assessment teacher can moderate it can change student responses if a kid mark their work as right and it's wrong or wrong as it's right teacher can change that teacher can then use that information to build feedback report so then go into the classroom and present students questions that students found hard or particular responses that might contain a misconception that they wanted to highlight and discuss at a class level um and then you get detailed data analytics as they build over time you also have the capability of allowing students to build their own quizzes from your question banks if they're in the run-up to an exam they can kind of take the ownership over that um and there's also the capacity to do what we call a whiteboard, what we call a whiteboard quiz, which is something yeah, we spoke about. That's your do now. That's your yeah. do now, right? So you just say, oh, I want eight questions from these topics, or you say, I want four questions from this topic six weeks ago and four questions from this topic three weeks ago. Uh, you can pick them at random or you can choose them yourself. Uh, and then you just present those and those go up on the board um, in your classroom. And the other thing I've noticed about Carousel, which I haven't seen elsewhere if i go on quizzes which you know it's great but i could type in the topic the french revolution and um it's great that others share their quizzes so generously but i might look at that quiz and it's it's not quite right um so it could be you know from a different country a different exam board but with carousel you've got some very specific question marks i mean you, people can create their own and upload their own questions, but you've got the exam board, the topic, and I just think for for workload, that's fantastic. That, that yeah. There's so much choice there. Yeah, so so the, the thing about my experience as a teacher um, of taking resources from others is <laughs> generally negative uh, and generally I found when I was, you know, going online to online platforms or whatever, downloading stuff, or I was setting kids homework and they were going off and doing, you know, unit Y, topic Z or whatever. And then they'd come be like, so we, we did not learn <laughs> any of that in class. And then I'd go have a look and I'm like, well, why did they do that then? Doesn't make any sense. Um, and what we're trying to do at Carousel is, is you can, these questions and the question banks you you've got options in terms of where you get them from so you can you can build your own ones if you like it's it's pretty quick and easy and it builds your pedagogical content knowledge it's really great for your understanding of your subjects and your sequencing um or you can get head off into the community which is where teachers from across the country have written and shared theirs and like you said the the way you share it is you make it really clear you know this is aqa or you could say this is from a specific like curriculum so um you might be following, um, I don't know, Activate in Key Stage 3 Science. And so you'd write Activate. And that means anyone else who's using Activate can go and find that bank. And then people can edit those, right? So you can you take a copy for yourself and you can edit it. 
um you can't then reshare what you've edited because it's really someone else's work but you can edit your own personal copy and then we also have premium banks so ones that we've produced so some of those were produced by um john Kett, the educational publisher um some have been produced by um kind of our partners like um the pkc the primary knowledge um curriculum which is for um which is you know primary school they have a brilliant curriculum uh and essentially what they've done is they've taken all of their curriculum materials that they provide to schools and, and they've turned that into carousel friendly banks as well so if you're one of their schools you can just head on to carousel and use those banks to support the work that you do in class and then we also have ones that we produce so we produce the whole bunch of primary ones um we just produced a whole bunch of english literature gcc ones as well um again and you can edit those if you like so if you don't like this particular question on romeo and juliet you can edit it or add one or take one away whatever it is um but yeah the idea is that it's interesting because there's 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 a tension right on the one hand i want to reduce teacher workload as much as possible um and the easiest way to do that would be to just say oh right well you know you've got your kids this is the first quiz you should set. This is the second quiz you should set. This is the third quiz you should set. And you just click a button or you don't even need to do anything. It just automatically gets applied to students each week or whatever. And that would like drastically reduce teacher workload. But at the other end is, is kind of teacher input and teacher awareness. Um, and what we found is that students don't do homework for the computer right no student is like oh you know i love carousel so much i'm going to do carousel because of carousel they do it because you know some of them are intrinsically motivated by learning and some of them are motivated by the fact that they know that their teacher is the one who set it their teacher is the one who's checking it their teacher is the one who cares and the teacher is the one who's driving the curriculum and the teacher is the one who knows everything that's going on the whole time in their heads um and it's almost like like when my kids are doing homework like i want them to feel my presence in the room <laughs> right like not in a creepy way but <laughs> i want to be like like this like ghostly astral projection that they're thinking oh if i don't do this properly sir's gonna know right because you can always do a homework in a way that means it's done but you've not learned a damn thing from it so i want them to be thinking the whole time i need to do this and i need to learn from it because otherwise sir uh, is going to notice um and and so there's like two poles here so at the one end yeah we've got all these amazing resources that we want you to use but at the other end you if you want to use those resources that's fine but you've still got to pick and figure out exactly how you're going to use them. You're, you still need to figure out which questions you're going to ask. You're going to need to figure out what order you're going to ask them in. You'll need to figure out how I'm going to build those questions into my next lesson and my feedback. How am I going to use them as whiteboard mode to follow up the homework that's been done or to preempt it? We want to help with that stuff. We produce a lot of teaching and learning materials. Um, but the principle is that there's there's a balance here between us trying to help you with your workload uh, and you as teacher in the room, the, the 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 curriculum expert, you're in the driving seat. We want to help. We want to facilitate. But, but you're the boss. You're in control. Yeah, I absolutely am with you on that. Because retrieval practice has to be workload friendly if we are going to make it sustainable and something that we do so often. But as you said, there's nobody that knows the classes and the content and the curriculum and the sequencing better than the teacher. But the fact that you've got all those options there, you can create your own. You could use somebody's. And if you looked at it and thought, well, this is perfect, then you could use it as it is. Or you could say, well, actually, no, and I'm going to tweak it. And you've got you've got all of those options available so this is really good making retrieval practice um make providing more opportunities <laughs> for teachers to use there, retrieval practice. there we go 
down with the lingo. Um, and you've already mentioned it, but I, I just want to talk about this because we did a, a webinar together about Carousel Learning Primary Retrieval yeah. Practice because uh, from talking to lots of teachers in primary, they wanted to engage with retrieval practice, but initially the focus and the research and all of the discussion sort of centred around older students especially exam classes and using retrieval for exam practice being the long-term goal. But now Carousel has, has had quite a big project, really, where you're working with primary schools. Um, how's that going? Yeah, it's it's going really well. I think, um, yeah, the primary schools have a number of challenges in this regard. Um, and and I think you, 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 you alluded to it there, that a lot of, historically there's been this focus on english and maths um and whilst the teachers were always teaching the you know the core subjects foundation subjects um you know history or geography or science all of that stuff um the resources weren't always there um and especially the resources for like long-term learning so you might go on and download or use you know some unit that someone's built about the shang dynasty but then you're like well when it's done what happens in six weeks time do we ever come back to this uh or, or, or that, that even and that works within a year and also across years right so if you inherit a class in year five and you know they've done land and water in year four well which parts of land and water to what depth um have they done it which in specific details can i expect them to know or not know and then just there's this so that's one issue um one issue is the lack of kind of good assessment materials so figuring out how much students know about a particular course um and that doesn't mean sitting down and doing a pen and paper exam like getting their desks out and invigilation and whatever um but there aren't even just like low stakes straightforward you know this is what we can use to see how much students have learned um and finally the biggest issue which is just the vast amount of stuff uh and the workloads and subject knowledge involved in asking a teacher to prepare these bazillion units from these bazillion different types of topic so we've tried to hit all three of those um in the sense that the question bank is a curriculum so if you're teaching year four sorry year five um, materials for example you can just look in the question bank at what was done in year four materials and you're like oh that's what was taught. If you're doing land and water round two, you can have a look and see what was done in land and water round one. Very simple, very straightforward. Uh, aspect two is this kind of low stakes assessment. And of course, that's what we do, right? Low stakes assessment, quizzing. And a lot of our primary teachers use us, uh, you know, as well as all the other stuff, they use us for that. They'll say, right, we've just finished land and water unit. <clears throat> Let's grab the Chromebooks or grab the tablets or whatever. We'll do um, a short quiz on land and water see how much of it we know and then in you know four weeks time we'll do it again and then four weeks after that we might do it again you know slightly different questions each time but we'll build up over time how much students know about this particular thing uh, and then finally you know to help with this gigantic gargantuan curriculum that's why we wrote the question banks you know we covered basically the whole of primary geography other than like the lo my local area type stuff we've covered basically the whole of primary geography history we've done pretty much the whole national curriculum um i think yeah pre pretty much the whole national curriculum i mean most of it's non-statutory but it's it's about like the options the things that you choose <clears throat> covered all of that 
um, cover the whole of the science key stage to national curriculum, all there, um, all in short answer or multiple choice. Uh, what else are we doing? And there's tons of math stuff too. So the idea is we want to help. Um, this is this is what we've done. And, and there's been really good take up, really good take up. Yeah, and uh, Ella Martin featured in my Retrieval Practice Primary book. She's a brilliant ambassador for Carousel Learn and how she uses that in her primary classroom. Yeah. And, and like you said, all of these these challenges, for example, we're secondary, and when I'm teaching year nine, well, I also teach year seven, so I know exactly the content that they were taught, whereas if they've had a previous teacher, there is that difference and then there's also teachers that have said to me they don't always teach the same year group every year they yeah. can move the key stages and so on and when you've invested a lot of time carefully crafting that work with that curriculum for that year group and then you're moved there are resources but again this is where i can see the potential for carousel learn just really being helpful yep that's yep. exciting and i'm glad as well you know the the feedback from primary school teachers that i've spoke to uh, just spoken really highly about carousel but also that it's now getting embedded in, in primary school um because lots of the schools i've worked with did do say right well we we had been focusing on developing retrieval opportunities in english and maths but now we're going beyond that now we've got this deeper understanding yeah. And that will help us ultimately as secondary teachers because sometimes I'm invited to go speak to year 13 and deliver a workshop telling them about retrieval practice. And I just say, really? I would love to speak to younger students and that they have just been been taking part in these quizzes. It becomes part of their learning habits and routines and they understand why they're doing that. I mean, do you have those conversations with students about this is why you're completing retrieval tasks? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I explain to them the importance of memory and why without it, there's not much point in doing what we do um, and how there are some effective strategies and some ineffective strategies. Um, yeah, yeah, we do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think that's really important. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time, Adam. And as I've said, if people want to follow you, you're on Twitter, Adam Boxer One. There's your books and your blog and everything on there and, and Carousel Learn. Um, what's the official website? Sorry. <laughs> uh, carousel-learning.com. Okay, carousel-learning.com. I would recommend that people do check that out. So thank you for your time, Adam, and your great answers. Thank you so much, Kate.